Have you heard of Kundalini Awakening? I'm sure you must have. It's the most important force when it comes to the process of spiritual awakening. And it's for that reason that over the next little while, I'm going to be releasing a series of episodes all about Kundalini. Of course, these episodes will be shared on the podcast here, The Spiritual Awakening Show, and on my YouTube channel called Brent Spirit. Now let's get started. This is part one, titled, What is Kundalini Awakening? Now, Kundalini is one of my favorite topics of all time. And so I'm really excited to be here with you to share some of my ideas, perspectives, and experiences to do with this very powerful spiritual force that we all have that's here to take us to the next step in our evolutionary journey. So in this series, I'm going to talk about Kundalini in a general sense. Of course, I'm going to talk about you know what it is, why we have it, how it can awaken, why it awakens for some and not for others. I'm going to talk about what the goal of Kundalini is. And I'm also going to go into some of the more specific situations that we can come across on the Kundalini process. So I'm going to talk about some of the challenges that we can be faced with. I'm going to talk about some of the many solutions to some of those challenges. And I'm also going to talk about some of the phenomena that can arise during the Kundalini process. So with Kundalini comes a wide array of some very interesting phenomena that can be considered, you know, metaphysical, spiritual, uh, supernatural, if you will. And some of this phenomena, though for some they can feel very uh, fascinated by it, it can seem very magical and exciting. And for some others, it can be pretty terrifying and scary at times. So I want to address all the different types of phenomena as best as I can. Of course, I don't know everything there is to know about Kundalini. I feel that there isn't one person that really does. The reason that I say this is because Kundalini by nature transcends the human mind. And so I feel that this mysterious quality to Kundalini is what makes it so interesting. And the reason I say that is because though there are overarching universal themes that we see when it comes to looking at Kundalini across the board, there are experiences that pretty much everybody who's working with Kundalini has. But then there are also some things that are very specific and unique to each individual. So it's said that the Kundalini process is highly individualized. And so that's what makes it pretty mysterious. And that's what makes it pretty exciting to me. So with that said, I want to let you know that whatever I'm saying here, I want you to take what resonates with you and just leave behind what doesn't. Maybe forever, maybe for later on you can revisit it. I want you to put your experience first. So consult your own inner guidance, consult your own inner kundalini, your own intuition, follow your heart, trust your feelings. So if something I say doesn't sit with you well, or it contradicts your direct experience, or you feel that you have a different solution or approach, go with that, try it out, see how things go. And then you can, of course, explore and revisit all of the other things that we've got available to us, all of the other resources, books, videos, teachers, authors, etc. So with that said, I want you to enjoy this series. I want you to approach me with any questions or comments that you have. If there's a certain topic that you'd like me to speak about, let me know. I really am excited to dive into this because I've been sort of dwelling and sitting on this topic for a little while now. I've been working with Kundalini for about five or six years myself. I've had many different crazy experiences with it. I've also gone through a very transformative spiritual uh, process with it as well. So I've here, I feel stable and I feel ready to now share a little bit 
with you. So with all that said, I want to welcome you to the first part here. We're going to get right into it. We're going to talk about what Kundalini really is. So throughout history, all around the world, people have been having Kundalini awakening transformations. And if you ask me, if you were to ask each and every one of them to describe their experience and how they would define Kundalini, you would get somewhat different responses from each of them. The reason for this is, like I said, the Kundalini process is highly individualized and I feel that Kundalini transcends the human mind and so it's beyond limitations of language. But with that said, you would generally see some, some basic themes to do with a force and energy that dwells within the human body that serves to heal, transform and evolve the human being into something a little bit more higher dimensional, something more spiritual, if you will. So how I would define Kundalini is as a divine force that lies dormant at the base of the human spine, coiled up, awaiting to be awakened. Once awakened, that force begins to take the human body, mind, spirit system through an evolutionary process, finally resulting in the completion of that process, which is self-realization, enlightenment, or liberation. Now, Kundalini is most commonly depicted as a snake because of that phenomena that involves it being coiled up at the base of the spine. So how did the Kundalini get there though, to the base of the spine coiled up? Well, when a baby is conceived, there is a certain consciousness, a spiritual force, which is the same as the Kundalini, that influences and supports its development from a small fetus into a full-grown, developed baby. So once that process is complete, just before the baby's born, the Kundalini then, which is a little energy, a force, it goes to the base of the spine and it gets coiled up and goes into a dormant state, awaiting for the right moment for when that baby grows up into an adult or maybe a, a young teen and they're ready for the next stage in their development as a human being, the next stage of their evolution as a human being. Now you may be thinking, well, humans don't evolve within one lifetime. That's impossible. Evolution takes place over many millions of generations. And yes, that's true. Evolution does take place over many millions of generations. But what I like to argue is that human beings are kind of like caterpillars and tadpoles, for example. We're kind of like those two creatures because we have the potential to go from being just a mundane human being to transforming, to metamorphosizing into something a little bit more evolved within one lifetime, within this particular generation that we belong to. So just like how a caterpillar can go into a cocoon and come out as a butterfly, or how a tadpole goes from living underwater to then developing into a frog that can be, you know, amphibious, we have the potential to go from being a just living on the on the worldly plane to opening up our higher energy centers, our higher chakras, and realizing the spiritual nature of reality and ourselves, and then embodying that and living from the heart, in the center, being on the world as human beings, and yet also having our awareness up in the spiritual dimension. So that's what I like to argue, that we as human beings are like 
those creatures that have the potential to evolve within one particular lifetime. Of course, many people would disagree with me because they haven't yet understood that they have the potential, they have, they have the Kundalini within them that's awaiting to be awakened so that they can begin their evolutionary process. It's kind of like I bet, you know, if caterpillars talk to each other, they probably doubt the possibility that they could one day become a butterfly. And yet instinctually when the right time comes, they go into the cocoon and they transform into a butterfly and they come out and they probably think, wow, I never thought that this was possible. And that's how it is, I feel, with Kundalini. So I don't want you to feel as if you're crazy or that this is something t totally stupid or nonsense. If you happen to be interested in these ideas, doubt will arise and it's healthy to be skeptical, but I don't want you to feel as if this is totally uh, ridiculous. There are people all around the world throughout history, like I said, that have been experiencing Kundalini awakenings and transformations. And there are people today, very smart people, that have written many books. Some of them are doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists, and they're all talking about their process with Kundalini. So it's something to look into. It's something to consider that maybe, maybe, just maybe, you and I have the potential to evolve beyond just being mundane, worldly human beings in this very life. But with all that said, I do understand how far-fetched some of this is. You know, I'm sitting here and telling you that there's a spiritual force coiled up at the base of your spine and it can be awakened. And when it's awakened, you'll go through a crazy, you know, far out supernatural evolutionary process and you'll be a spiritual human being that's become self-realized, enlightened, and liberated. I know it sounds super far out. This topic is so far out that in fact, many people that have had direct kundalini experiences on multiple occasions continue to doubt the validity of their experience. And it's so unfortunate that this is the case. And in fact, it was the case for myself as well. Even though some of the experiences I was having were so real, seemed more real than what we would call as, you know, consensus reality, I still was doubting my experience. You know, I was asking questions like, am I crazy? Well, I'm here to let you know that if you happen to be one of the people that are in the midst of a kundalini awakening process, or maybe you're not sure what you're experiencing, I'm here to let you know that you're not alone and you're not crazy. Not at all. So to bring some ease to your situation, I want to talk about some of the depictions of kundalini around the world. Of course, kundalini is a Sanskrit word. It comes from India comes from the yogic traditions. Now, in my research, in my understanding, the yogic systems are some of the most advanced, sophisticated when it comes to kundalini and the process. But India and, and the yogis aren't the only people that are aware of kundalini. It's something that showed up around the world and continues to as well. So if we go over to South America, we look at the Mayan tradition. They have a force, they describe a divine force called kukulkan, which seems to be synonymous with kundalini. When we look at the Buddhist traditions, some traditions refer to an inner heat that can be cultivated and that can be used to help a person to progress towards enlightenment. So the way that the Buddhists describe Kundalini is as this inner heat is pretty interesting because Kundalini actually is a very warm, fiery energy at times. The reason it's like this is because it begins to burn up and purify all of the things that we hold within our system 
trauma, conditioning, things that no longer serve us, it begins to burn those things up so that it can be released so that we can feel a little lighter and we can ascend and evolve on our spiritual journeys. So that's how the Buddhists describe the Kundalini energy as this inner heat. If we look at Christianity, they talk about the Holy Spirit and they talk about the Holy Spirit being a divine force that can be within a person and it can influence them to act and, and move in certain ways. So it's a divinely inspired force from within. It sounds like the Kundalini to me. If we look at uh, the Kabbalah and Judaism, they've got a force very similar. They call it the presence of God, the presence of divinity. They call it the Shekinah. So Kundalini seems to be present all over the world throughout all of these different religions. And it seems that they all describe it in a very similar way. They describe it as a force that's within the body. It has to do with divinity. And it's here to help us to develop spiritually and help us to become closer or to realize our connection, our union with the divine nature of reality, with God, with the oneness of existence, with pure consciousness. So if you dig a little deeper within religious texts and re within religious systems and traditions, you'll find little things that, that seem to point to a Kundalini process. There are, you know, a lot of Christian mystics and uh, contemplatives that have described being transformed by the Holy Spirit and then realizing their divinity. Well, this is the same thing as being transformed by the Kundalini and realizing your divinity. Yoga means union with the divine. So the Christians and these contemplatives who are very, very devoted, dedicated to their spiritual path have experienced the same type of process when it comes to Kundalini. It seems like the Kundalini is a universal force. It's not always called Kundalini, of course, like I said, that's a word from Sanskrit, it's from India, but it seems like that's the word that's most commonly used and that's the word that I like to use. I have a bit of a background in yoga, I, I've really resonated with that sort of path, but I recognize the validity of all of the paths all around the world because I recognize the force of Kundalini and I recognize that it likes to show up and express itself uniquely in many different ways around the world. So though if you dig deep, you can find Kundalini in a lot of the uh, religions. Within mainstream science, there's not a lot of evidence, support, or studies that really validate the existence and the reality of Kundalini. This is unfortunate, but uh, you know, science is very new, and uh, we've got a lot of things to still learn and discover. And so I'm hopeful that within our lifetime, we'll see a big advancement in the scientific research when it comes to Kundalini. But I don't want you to feel hopeless when it comes to looking at science because there are some interesting uh, things that are being worked on lately. You know, they've got the uh, Institute of Consciousness Research, which is a Kundalini-focused. Uh, group that's you know looking at Kundalini from a very very uh, scientific perspective. We've also got uh, an organization called Science and Non-Duality, which has a lot of very fascinating, intelligent people talking about spiritual themes, you know, to do with non-duality, non-dual awareness, spiritual awakening. But also Kundalini comes up every now and then in those circles as well. I also want to bring your attention to the fact that within Western psychology. One of the founding figures of Western psychology, who's very influential even today, Carl Jung, he was the first to bring the idea of Kundalini to the Western discussion. So he talked about Kundalini, he was very fascinated by it, and it seems like he acknowledged that this was a very real phenomena and process that some people are experiencing. So I don't want you to feel hopeless when it comes to uh, you know the scientific approach to Kundalini. 
there is lacking a lot of evidence, but I'm hopeful that you know things are going to start developing more and more at a faster rate as more people have more and more people have Kundalini awakenings and they start to share their stories and share their experiences. And so that's also part of why I'm sitting here today to speak with you and to share some of my ideas and experiences with Kundalini because I want to be another voice saying, hey, yeah, this is a real phenomena. People that are experiencing this are not crazy and they're not alone. This is something that we all need to look into because if it's real, if Kundalini is real, which in my opinion, of course it is, if it was, if there was this evolutionary force that could take us to the next level of our development, of our evolutionary process, why wouldn't we all be interested in it? Wouldn't you, if you were a, a caterpillar, be curious about how you could possibly figure out how to get your wings? Well, that's what Kundalini is all about, if you ask me. By going through the Kundalini waking process, by realizing our, our, our self, realizing divinity, going through the process of self-realization, realizing yoga, enlightenment, realizing Christ consciousness, this is how we can really tap into our full potential as human beings. And, you know, like I said, it's available to all of us, each and every one of us. It just requires that we have the right support within and externally from the people around us. So now let's talk about the Kundalini awakening process in general. So how does this energy awaken, right? I said that it's dormant, coiled up at the base of the spine. Okay, cool. If you can get down with that, you may be wondering, well, how does it awaken that? How do I awaken this energy? Well, we awaken it through conscious effort with spiritual practices. So certain meditative practices, uh, breath work, pranayama, yoga poses, chanting, prayer, plant medicine, there are certain ways that we can consciously work with the energies within our body to allow the kundalini to awaken. But the body needs to be prepared, the mind needs to be prepared, and the spirit needs to be ready for that kundalini awakening to happen in order for the process to unfold smoothly, easily, and you know, with ease. With that said, though, there are some people that can experience a spontaneous kundalini awakening without necessarily applying any spiritual effort. So they can perhaps be experiencing incredible emotional or psychological trauma that can be so intense. And for some reason, this can cause the kundalini to rise. And then that person can be catapulted into a very spiritual process, maybe without having any spiritual background whatsoever. Other people can experience physical trauma. So they can maybe, for example, get in a car accident and somehow have a lot of trauma hits their tailbone and this can cause the energy to come unraveled and you know start to move through the system and begin working on it uh, developing the body mind spirit organism and you know taking it to the next level of their development these are the spontaneous ways in which kundalini can awaken of course some people that are just practicing yoga for example maybe we go to a yoga class just for a little bit of fitness and by doing a certain sequence of poses by stretching a certain way, we can you know, create space for the Kundalini to awaken. Or maybe we're meditating just to relieve anxiety. And because of that meditation, our mind becomes still. We become relaxed enough that then the Kundalini can begin to rise. These are some ways in which Kundalini can be awakened spontaneously. Another interesting way in which Kundalini can be awakened is through a process called Shaktipat. So Shaktipat is the transmission of Kundalini from one person to another. 
typically from one person who's got the awakened kundalini, who's got a bit of uh, mastery over the kundalini, they can then perform the practice of Shaktipat with intention and consciously transmit that energy to another person and awaken it within them. So this, you may have seen depictions of, you know, gurus touching somebody on their third eye and, and inspiring their kundalini to be awakened. Maybe Shaktipat happens uh, without any contact, just just um, just with the hands, with the gaze. A guru can just look at a person at times and awaken their kundalini. A guru can think about a person from miles away and and awaken their kundalini. Not all gurus and not everybody is ready for this to happen. But if the aspirant, the recipient, is in the right place at the right time, and the gurus. Uh, in a place where their kundalini is inspired to offer that shaktipat, that is something that can happen. So there are some teachers, masters, gurus that offer this type of service. They offer a shaktipat initiation. Another way that kundalini can be transmitted is uh, in a more passive way. So a person who's got the kundalini activated, awakened, and who's stabilized their kundalini energy, they've got a little bit of mastery of it, begins to radiate that kundalini energy wherever they go. And so sometimes if you come into a contact with one of those people, whether it's within a spiritual context or just in a normal everyday context, you may pick up a little bit of their kundalini vibes, their kundalini energy, which is also called shakti, hence you know why we say shakti pat. You may be able to pick up a little bit of their shakti and you may be able to start to vibrate with their frequency and that can cause your kundalini to awaken. You may sit with a some one of those people within a spiritual context. You know, maybe you go to a spiritual master's live event and you're sitting in in the audience there, and you can feel your kundalini starting to stir up and activate and move. Maybe you're reading the works of somebody that's written a book about spiritual matters inspired by the kundalini. So now that book, that text is now infused with the radiance. So just by reading it, you can pick up on that. You can look at a picture of a spiritual master, a guru, and you can feel a certain radiance, a transmission of presence, of energy, of shakti, and you can pick up on that. Uh, so these are the more passive ways in which kundalini can be transmitted by a kundalini master. And then, like I mentioned, the more active way is through shaktipat. So generally speaking, when the kundalini is awakened, whether it's through conscious spiritual effort, spontaneously, through shaktipat, or through just being in the presence of somebody with awakened kundalini, when it's awakened, generally speaking, the process is that it rises from the root chakra at the base of the spine, up through the spinal column to the top of the head, activating the crown chakra, where the person will then realize divinity, realize their true nature as pure consciousness, realize non-duality, realize unconditional love, go beyond separation. And this is the process of self-realization, enlightenment, liberation, freedom, and all of that. So that's the general thing. Kundalini rise from the base of the spine up to the top of the head, and boom, there's liberation. That's the goal of of Kundalini. Well, it's not that simple. This is a very simplified, generic, very basic idea when it comes to kundalini. But in fact, the kundalini process can be very involved. The kundalini can rise to certain chakras, go back down. It can circumnavigate certain chakras at times. It can take camp at certain chakras. Some chakras can be blocked so the kundalini is not able to pass through. There can be all different types of things like that. So it's important for us as spiritual aspirants going through the kundalini process that we support 
our process with the right practices, right behaviors. We engage in certain meditations. We eat the right foods. We do the right movements and prayers and chanting and all that sort of thing. There's nothing specific that you have to do but there are certain general things that you've got to do. So you've got to maybe find a way that is best for you to connect with divinity. Maybe it's through prayer, maybe it's through chanting, dancing, maybe it's through meditation, it's through contemplation, it's through service, whatever it may be for you, that's what you've got to do to really support your process. And those practices can vary at times for different people. So you may feel like you will never be a person who will ever pray because you think that's ridiculous. And then one day you may be so drawn to pray to the, to, to the divine. And that may be exactly what you need to take you to the next stage on your path. What's important with Kundalini is that we're willing to let go of our beliefs and ideas that are now outdated, obsolete, that no longer serve us. And the Kundalini will actually help us to let go of some of those ideas. So it's kind of like a caterpillar believing that they need all of their legs. In fact, a caterpillar at some point has to let go of those legs so that it can trade them in for the wings. So we've got to let go of beliefs that we may have that, you know, we've got certain beliefs about who we are, about reality, about maybe religion or God or science. We've got to maybe let those go or be willing to not hold on to them so tightly so that the Kundalini can go through its process and take us to the next level on our paths. So the Kundalini, like I said, will help us with that. As it's rising up the spinal column, in the direction of the crown, it will go through each chakra and begin to work on them. So it will begin to activate them, it will begin to upgrade them, and it will begin to burn up things that are lodged within each chakra that no longer serve. So there's certain emotional trauma that we carry throughout the body from childhood, maybe even from past lives. The Kundalini will now begin to burn those things up. And so this process can be a little difficult because it's kind of like a purification. It's kind of like a purging. So if we're carrying a lot of trauma in some of the chakras, we may have to sit with that trauma in meditation to release it. And the Kundalini will help us with that. But once those things are released, we begin to feel a little lighter. We feel upgraded and we feel as if we are actually making progress on our evolutionary journey. But generally speaking, that's how things unfold. The Kundalini will rise from the base of the spine, go up to the top of the head, and along the way, a lot of very interesting, exciting, but challenging things will arise. And that's what makes this path so exciting. Keep in mind here that the Kundalini process will take years. And for some people, it will take many, many years because they lack the dedication Perhaps they also lack the uh, insight or the knowledge or the inclination to look into how to really work with Kundalini. So it's very important that to have an easy, smooth process that you keep an open mind, that you're willing to be humble enough to consult other resources and that sort of thing. But also, like I said in the beginning, to be able to sit in silence at times and to just listen. What is your intuition, your heart? What is your Kundalini? saying to you? What direction is it guiding you in? Listening to it is ultimately the number one solution to this entire process from start to finish. It's important that we just listen. All of the answers will come to us. Maybe they, not, won't, maybe they won't always necessarily come directly from within, but with, if we sit in silence and we say, hey, what's the best thing for me to do? an answer will show up. We may be drawn to the library where we pick out a certain book. We may be drawn to have a certain conversation with somebody, whatever it may be. If we follow 
our intuition, if we follow our guidance that is beyond the small ego mind, we will be supported and everything will unfold smoothly. And we can come to that point where we are able to live in a self-realized state, where we're able to embody our spirituality as human beings and share that with the world. It's a very, very beautiful thing. And I'm very excited to now dive deeper into this series with you so we can talk about some of the more specific details of the Kundalini journey. I thank you so much for listening and I'm excited to get into the next parts with you. If you've got any questions for me about anything to do with the Kundalini, if you're interested in Kundalini awakening, if you've already got an awakening going on, if you're dealing with some problems, reach out to me. I'll do my best to bring forth a response for you that can help you to take the next step on your path. You can reach me at info at brentspirit.com. You can also visit me on my website, brentspirit.com, where you can find out a little, bo- a little bit more about me. You can also find me on Instagram. I really appreciate you all. Much love, and we'll chat soon. Mm-hmm.